This morning, we get to run back to 1 Peter, and we get to talk about Christ. Uh, are you ready to make much or to talk a lot about Christ? Are you ready? Because if you're not, we're going to talk about suffering. So, <laughs> so, so today, you're going to hear Christ, and you're going to hear about suffering again. So you can either make much of Christ... Or you can focus on suffering. Uh, let me encourage you to make much of Christ this morning. So would you pray with me as we dive into our scripture this morning and we talk about living, uh, living right in the midst of suffering. And that means we have to have right priorities. We have to think correctly and the right kind of thinking so we prioritize in the midst of suffering. Lord, speak to us through your word. Help us to not be distracted even by sometimes my silliness. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would focus and make much of you. Lord, as we read your word, the very words of Christ, that you would leap off of the page and into our hearts and our minds and realize how important you are to our everyday living and especially in the midst of suffering. So, Lord, I pray that you would appear to us through your word, and, Lord, that we would not be distracted by the other things of life, and we would hear from you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that helps in all of these things, in our understanding and in knowing that we have a relationship with you. Thank you for your comfort and your joy that you give us despite the circumstances of life. Thank you, Spirit, for living through us, guiding us, comforting us, and helping us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how to live right. That's kind of odd. We, we always focus on doing, doing, doing. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm a good, good Christian. I'm a good religious person if I do right things. And we focus on all these things. But God gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, and he gives us right type of thinking so that way we can get through life. And life is hard. Um, life is like that clay soil that we're trying to rototill. It doesn't break up easy. Getting through life is not an easy task, but that's why we have the Savior. That's why we make much of Christ. That's why, man, I just, I had to stop and listen to you guys singing God's praises and glory when we were singing that beautiful song, All I Have is Christ. It gave me chills. It was like you were preaching to me at that moment and reminding me how great God is. And this morning, we want to see how do we get through the suffering of life. How do we do this? And so we've been looking through chapter 3 on how do we successfully navigate suffering. We do that by following the right principles of suffering, and then we looked at following the perfect pattern of Christ. So this morning, we want to live with the right priorities, the right type of thinking. Right priorities in our thinking gives us the right attitude when we face suffering. And here's the point. Look at verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 4 and listen 
to the main point that's found in verses 1 through 2 as we read through verse 6. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whosoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, they make fun of you, they tease you. Why aren't you doing the things that we do? They malign you, it says. Verse 5, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached, even to those who are dead, that through that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way that God does. I hope you see the main point. All through chapter 3, chapter 2, chapter 1, Peter keeps bringing us back to one main point. He's like the broken record that skips and always goes back, if you remember the vinyl records of the day. My favorite, by the way, was the Jungle Book. I put the vinyl record on there, and I always skipped it back to the bare necessities, and I would jump all over, and I'd get in trouble, just like Kedrick for jumping off of everything. So God gave me somebody just like me. (laughs) But Peter is like a broken record, and he keeps jumping back to this point. Fix your eyes on Christ. Did you notice in the very beginning? Therefore, since Christ suffered. Therefore, Christ. Look at verse 18 of chapter 3. For Christ also suffered. Do you notice the pattern here? All the way through Scripture, it is about Christ. It's through Christ, in Christ, for Christ. We need to see Christ. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what I missed. This was the very first message I ever preached when I was in high school, was Philippians chapter 12, or Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and I got stuck on the whole cloud of witnesses, and I preached this whole beautiful sermon on all these witnesses that gives us strength. And my mentor came up to me and he says, you missed the point of the passage. Oh, that's a humbling, that's very humbling to preach. And everybody said, oh, you did such a great job, you did such a great job. And then your mentor says, you missed it. I never wanted to do that again. But look at Hebrews 12, verse 2 through 3. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will what? Not grow weary. Fix our eyes on Christ. Why? Because look at all that he did. Christ suffered for us, so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. By the way, the, the idea here... To fix 
your eyes means to turn your eyes away from the persecution. Turn your eyes away from the abuse. Turn your eyes away from the worry and give a concentrated, fixed focus on Christ. And that's where I say, how big is the cross of Christ in your life? We are going to go through circumstances that drag us through the muck and the mire. We're going to go through circumstances that knock us down. We're going to go through things that are like somebody is poking right into the very nerves in our back. And it just is so irritating. And Lord, when will this end? And the idea that Peter is saying here, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. Let me tell you something. Tradition, I love history. History tells us and tradition tells us that Christ or uh, that Peter was going to go to the cross and he was going to be crucified. And he says, I will not be crucified like my Savior. So they crucified him upside down. But before he was going to the cross, and I don't know if this is true, but the, the tradition holds that his Peter's wife also was going to be crucified. And when she was going to be crucified, he said, remember the Lord. And if you go through the Fox's Book of Martyr, you will see this one main focal point. They always were fixated on Christ. Let me burn bright that everyone might see Christ. That's what someone said when they were going to be burned at the stake. They were making much of Christ. So often the problem is, is in the midst of our suffering, we become so self-centered. We focus on how I feel, what is going on. We worry about our future. We worry about what people think. Scripture declares that the best remedy for going through suffering is to become Christ-centered, to, to remember Christ. And that's where I ask, do you fix your eyes on Christ in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering? Don't grow weary. Don't give up. I love in Galatians chapter 6 where it says, don't, get, don't give up in doing good because in the end, you will reap the harvest. This is what Paul, or I'm sorry, this is what Peter is emphasizing here is to fix our eyes on Christ so that we will be armed with the right priorities. These are the two main focal points of this text. Christians must, we must be armed with the right priorities or the right attitude. We must, must prioritize our thinking. So that way we'll keep our eyes fixed on Christ. So everything that Peter says in the end of verse 2 all the way through 6 is how we can prioritize so that we'll think correctly so we'll keep our eyes fixed on Christ. So all the five points that you have listed there that we'll go through quickly is all so that way we will remain fixated on Christ. You know what I'm talking about? You know, those of you that are in relationships, um, I'll never forget when I met Anissa for the second time. Anissa had gone off to Bible college. I got off to Bible college. All the silliness of our teenage years began to be stripped away. God grew us both. Our eyes began to be fixated on Christ. And when our youth pastor and my mom set us back up for the second time, it finally took. Uh, 
But Anissa showed up at something that she was told I wasn't going to be at. And uh, I saw her for the second time, and I just was like, I want to marry her. <laughs> We're going to get married. I went back to Bible college, and I said, I found who I'm going to marry. I never dated anybody in Bible college. That's, and I began to fixate. I actually began to write letters. We talked about that at, last night at the, the young adults group. I began to even write. We communicated. I was fixated. But the reason was, was because our lives were no longer about us, but it was about Christ. That's the kind of fixation. God wants us to become so fixated on Christ that we arm ourselves correctly. Do you know what that word arm means? It's an amazing term. Um, I'm not going to even try to quote the Greek here. I haven't studied the Greek enough this week. Uh, but it's, it's used, this word is used in the Greek language to describe a soldier's shield and spear. In fact, it was used to describe a heavily armed foot soldier. It, this is the word that they would use when a foot soldier had the largest shield and it had the largest spear. That's what, this is the word that they would use to describe it. So here it says, arm yourselves. Be armed with the heaviest armor and the heaviest spear. It's describing the foot soldier. If you've seen the different movies, when the Roman soldiers would get together and create the turtle, it was the first tank. They would get it together, they would pull it together, they would put all these extremely heavy shields together, and they would all move together, and they could break through the enemy lines in an amazing fashion, and people could not break through the turtle because of the movement, the shields, and the spears that they could thrust through the sides. In fact, they had a little notch where they would just throw the spear through. Paul uses this term many times in 2 Corinthians and in Romans. But it's describing the largest spear and the largest shield. Guys, God, you see what God is telling us? We need the largest armor we can get so we can withstand the suffering that the world will throw at you. And he gave it to you in Christ. That's what it is. Fix our eyes on Christ. And then he says, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Outlook, I don't remember who, where I stole this from, but outlook determines outcome. A believer must have the right attitude if he is to live the right kind of of life. The text here, when it says the same way of thinking, it means to have the right intentions, to have the right priorities in our thinking. That's why I said we have to live with the right priorities, because that's what it's saying here. We need to arm ourselves with the right kind of priorities, our right kind of thinking, because we're so fixated on Christ. So what Peter is showing us here is that righteous living begins with right intentions and right prioritizing our thinking. We have to have the right kind of warrior's mindset. That's what, our, that's what Daniel read up here 
in 2 Timothy when Peter was telling Timothy, you have to arm yourselves like a soldier. The same type of thinking so you can endure persecution. And he says, teach people to live that way. So here are five priorities that will help our thinking so we remain fixated on Christ. These priorities will help us to think correctly. The first one, recognizing our deliverance from sin in Christ's death. That's the point that Peter is trying to get across. Look at the end of verse 1. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Remember, Christ suffered in the flesh. He conquered sin when he died on the cross for our sins, but his spirit was alive. He never ceased to be God, and because of that, he paid for our sins. And he goes on to say, Peter says here, that he ceased from sin so as to live the rest of our time in the flesh no longer for human passions. Recognizing our deliverance from sin. Basically what Peter is saying clearly here is simply speaking directly to believers and not about Christ since Christ never lived in sin. And he's saying that because Christ suffered in the body and he died for our sins, we are no longer enslaved to sin. It has ceased to be our master. Sin is no longer in control of our lives. It's not our master. It's not that we no longer have sin. But one day we will stand before the Lord and because he died for our sins and he paid for our sins, he will say, you are forgiven. Welcome into the presence of God. That's what he's saying is that one day sin will totally be gone. It's exactly the same argument that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 6. It says in verse 4 through and following, he says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Because of what Christ has done, if we, we really we recognize that of our deliverance from sin, that it no longer has mastery over, over us. We have this new life in Christ. What separates us from people that, know, that don't have Christ is now we have the ability to live a righteous life. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but now He has given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to give us the power to live a righteous life. We need to remember that. We need to prioritize our thinking that sin no longer has to be in control. We no longer have to, to let sin reign in our life. This is an important doctrine for all of us to realize. We no longer have to obey the temptations of sin. We no longer, because of what Christ did on the cross. Romans 6 again in verse 18 it says you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness so when God died on the cross for our sins he set us free from the slavery of sin and now we are literally chained to Christ we are slaves to God but we are slaves that have been invited into God's house and given a seat at the table to partake in all of the blessings and glory that goes with a relationship with the Lord. 
Well, this is the, the way we need to think, is recognize the deliverance from sin. Peter goes on to say, how do we, how do we keep our eyes fix, fixated on Christ? How do we keep ourselves armed with a heavy shield and spear? Is recognize that we no longer follow the ways of the world. In fact, it says here in verses 3 and 4, it says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do. Did you notice that? You have spent enough time. Now think about this. I got saved. I, I got saved when I was six. I got baptized when I was ten. I started serving the Lord in ministry when I was sixteen and and teaching and leading and and learning how to teach in youth group. And I've been involved in ministry. But here's the thing. Those first six years of my life was long enough in sin. Zaya got saved this, this, a few weeks ago, and he gave his life to Christ, and he's been saying some of the most amazing things since then. I wish I could remember what he said to Raul. He said something really cool. Uh, but he, you can tell he's thinking about Christ, and he's fixated in his mind about Christ. But even Zaya, who got saved at a young age, he's lived long enough in sin, and his parents will attest to that. You can be saved for, you can only be alive for two days, and it's long enough. We don't need to be drawn and say, you know what, I would like to be, I'd like to have the freedom that they have. No, you don't want to be in the position of the unsaved. Peter's saying, you spent long enough enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and doing detestable idolatry things. And, and they think it's strange when you do not plunge or you do not jump into those things. We've lived long enough. We are no longer followers of that because we have Christ. we got to change our thinking. The world is no longer important to us. God says that the world is passing away. Everything in the world one day will be destroyed. Why fixate on what will be gone? Right? Why fixate and wash a plastic fork? I never figured that one out. Everybody's like, oh, we need to save those forks so we can use them again. It's plastic. They break after you wash them. They break when you don't wash them. They're useless. Well, you don't have to wash. That's why you use them, right? We use paper plates at home. Why? So we don't have to do the dishes. Dad figured that out a long time ago. Dad, when he goes to Costco, buys paper plates, right? My wife doesn't do it. I do it. So you can thank me later. Because <laughs> I don't do them. I make them do them. <laughs> He's like, look. Why fixate on what is going to be gone? That's our suffering. We need to think correctly. We need to prioritize our thinking and follow, and we don't follow the ways of the, of the world. As Christians, we've been delivered from, you think about this list, debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, orgies carousing, and, debauch, and detestable idolatry, the drinking parties, and I, I love that the ESV says drinking parties. It's like the common thing of the day. You know, 
a couple thousand years ago, somebody, you know, Peter's preaching this to the church, and it's the same way today. Do you see the futility of the world? They're still running after the same things to make them happy, and it makes them worse. We no longer have to follow that debauchery, that futility. Paul says basically the same thing as Peter in Romans chapter 12. Stop it, he says, stop it. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world, but be transformed by the renewing in your mind. In the word of God, let God transform you into the perfect image of Christ. It's, a, it's amazing. He's, Paul, I can see Peter just exhorting the church. And so as we think about how do we, we need to transform our, the priorities of the way we think in suffering so that way we'll never lose sight of Christ. Recognize that the believer, we've been, we've been delivered from the mastery of sin and we recognize that we no longer follow the ways of the world. But number three, expect abuse and suffering from the world. Expect abuse. When you expect something to happen, Is it a little bit better? Let me rephrase that. Does it actually change your ability to get through it? When you expect something, you're more prepared, right? That's, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Um, and uh, the Ericsons back there were informing me about that when we were talking about the animals on my farm, right? I have a knowledge of the animals, but there's a difference. <laughs> there's an expectation. I need to expect that they're going to do something that I don't expect, right? Like yesterday when the, the little heifer that we have jumped over the, the hot wire and the electric fence and was running through the yard. Praise the Lord for Kevin asked me, why are you getting a second dog? For that very reason, because the second dog pushed the calf right back into the pen. Praise the Lord for that dog. <laughs> now that we finally got him to stop running after cars, he's now chasing the cow. So, <laughs> and the cow likes it. So every life is good. So <laughs> we need to expect that abuse is going to happen, guys. We need, to, we need to stop thinking that it's strange. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, look at the way he puts this. My friends. My beloved friends, don't be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. We don't belong in this world. It's going to be different. It's going to be hard. You know, look at Paul's life. I mean, when he met before Festus, he called him, you're mad in the mind. That's what Festus said. You're strange. Hence why I call a lot of you weird, right? We shouldn't be normal compared to the world. People are like, why do you call me weird? Or I say, hey, weirdo, because we are weird. We are strangers in a land that we don't belong. We should expect it to be different. We are going to be subject to suffering. And it's going to be hard we're going we're gonna to have emotions that we don't like. We're going to be faced with problems we don't like. But yet, look at what the psalmist says. Sometimes we can, so, we can say, man, life is so hard. Why, does it, why do the, all those 
Sinful people, they have it so good. If we don't arm ourselves and say we are going to expect suffering, we don't arm ourselves with that, we're going to struggle. And this is normal. This happened to the psalmist. Look at Asaph, what he said in Psalm 73. It's a good, it's a good chapter, Psalm 73, because that's the year I was born, so I always like, like this chapter. Yeah, as a hint, but I'm still young. So, but it says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Why? Look at his thinking. For I envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they had no struggles. Their, their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens of common to man. They are, they are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity and evil conceit of their minds. Knows no limits. They scoff. They speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression to me. Look at verse 13. Look at the way he was thinking here in the first few verses. But now, listen to this. Surely... In vain I have kept my heart pure. Surely in vain have I washed my hands in innocence. Do you notice a thing here? The first verses, he was looking at the wicked. Where was his eyes? Fixated on the world. Now look at here. Now where is his eyes? I have kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in ignorance all day long. I've been playing. Now where is his focus? On himself. I have been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, I, it was oppressive to me. Sound frustrated and depressed? Look at where his focus is, his thinking. But then look at this. He says, till I entered the sanctuary of God. See all of that? See all of his focus? Do you see all the oppression, all the frustration, the depression? He says, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. Hey, just because the world seems like they got it good, they are precariously perched over the abyss of hell. You see Aphas here? He wasn't, he was fixated on the wrong things. His priority in his thinking was not the expectation of the suffering, his expectation of Christ. He was not fixated on God. But when he did, he finally came to true understanding. Peter is trying to encourage us with the same way of thinking. And that is this to recognize that God will bring justice. He'll bring justice at the judgment. In the final end of things, there's going to be perfect judgment. Many times we're tempted to become angry and frustrated with God and because we're mistreated. But we've got to remember, God is still working. Ultimately, Judgment will take place. 
So we need to recognize that the believer's deliverance from sin and Christ's death, because of Christ's death, we need to recognize that we no longer follow the ways of the world, expect abuse, and recognize that God will bring judgment. Number five, focus on the gospel and the faithfulness before us. Focus on the gospel and the faithfulness before us. First Peter, back to our text, verse 6, he says, For this reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to the men in regarding to the body, but alive according to God, uh, according to God in regards to the spirit. Another reason the believers can suffer for righteousness is because of their focus on the gospel and remembering the faithful saints who, who were persecuted before us. It is the gospel that should enable, believer to, to enable believers to suffer for righteousness' sake. It's the gospel that gives us the sure footing. Ephesians chapter 6. It's the gospel that is the strength. It is the shield that takes us through the suffering to penetrate. It was the gospel that empowered and emboldened the martyrs of old. I love, man, you got to read all the Fox's Book of Martyrs. That's why I like reading missionary journals and missionary biographies. I love to see they were so fixated on Christ. It is the gospel that allows a believer to take up his cross and to die with Christ. He knows that he's going to heaven. This truth enables many believers from the, from the very beginning of the church to give their lives for Christ and it gives us the ability to continue to live for Christ and to give our life for Christ that others might glorify Christ. Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. We are living in perilous times. We told it in Sunday school. We, do you know we live in a time that they estimate there are more believers today dying for Christ than in any other time in history? We just don't hear about it as much which is amazing because we hear about everything. And I don't know if I, yeah, I didn't put it there. But if we go back, all these things are a priority so that we will do this. These five things are meant to help us. Peter, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Peter, is telling us we need to prioritize the way we think so that way we'll be fixated on Christ so we'll be armed to deal with the suffering and the persecution and the world in which we live. Are you fixated on Christ? Do you know Christ? I always end with the gospel that Jesus died for our sins. He was the righteous Lamb of God, the perfect Son of God, God Himself who died in our behalf. He was, God made Him to be sins. To, who knew no sin, that he might take all of our sins and nail it to the cross so that way we can be alive through Christ. He conquered death on our behalf because Christ lives, we can live with him for the rest of eternity. Do you know Christ? Have you laid your life down before Christ? Have you stopped trying to live for you? Don't live for yourself. Give it to Christ. Fixate on Christ. 
I, I don't know that everybody here is saved and knows Christ. And maybe you're struggling. I, I struggle. I have a computer too. <laughs> I hate computers. But they're useful. But I have Christ. I love Christ. I love to plant gardens and I hate weeds. They're frustrating. I love preaching. I love counseling people. But they're, we're, we are so frustrating at times. We don't want to obey the Lord, do we? We make it hard. But God loves us. As you're going through, whatever you're going through in life, it is so simple. Would you fixate on Christ? It is the answer to our life while we wait for Christ's return. He will come back. He's coming. And he's coming soon. Before you know it, he will be here. Either we will go to meet him in the air, we will meet him because he'll take us from this earth, or we'll meet him in the air someday when he comes back. He is coming, and he is coming soon. Keep that in your mind. Don't wait to, keep, to get your eyes fixated on the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I plead with you as your pastor. Love him more than you love the world. Lord, I thank you for our time together, not because of me, but because of your perfect word, even though sometimes it's tough to read and get through it. But Lord, you are perfect and your spirit is perfect and it deals with our, our sin perfectly. And you loved us in that even while we were sinning, you died for us. You, even before we asked for forgiveness, you are atoning for us. You love us. You are so patient with us. Lord, may we too fixate our eyes on you, the pattern of our living, the one who is the author of our faith, who ran for us the race, who started the race and finished the race. And he says, just live according to the rules that I put before you. May we prioritize the right type of thinking so we keep our eyes on you. Lord, may we not forget the simple, simple, but yet, explosive point that gives us so much power to live in this world. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.